was asleep until 10 minutes before the podcast today. Nice. Yeah. I mean, that's how you should podcast. I, I slept in about three hours today. Yeah, I've been awake 20 minutes and I feel like it. So if I'm low energy today, apologies to the podcast. Like, and the listeners, you know, it must be so nice <laughs> to be a bit more awake than me. It must be so nice for you to sit there I mean, on your high fucking horse looking down on tired Stephanie thinking what a tired fuck they turned out to be. As someone that does a lot of podcasts with Americans, you'd be surprised how many of my podcasts I wake up maybe 10 minutes before doing and go, I'm right. here, I'm, I'm awake. Right, you 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 have, have to go on bleary-eyed. It must be fucking nice for the great unwashed listening to this. To be well rested, which all of them are. All of them are doing better than us and all of them are judging us. That's how I choose to view the world and I don't think that's an unhealthy outlook. It must be fucking nice to think you're so much better than us. (laughs) Ooh, I've had a healthy six to eight hours, whatever it is. Oh, I don't get up in the middle of the night with Spiro pisses. Oh, I didn't leave Jonathan Holmes playing on my phone and had his voice weave in and out like a velvet whisper. I, I bet you all those people that do, you know, your IGN podcasts and whatnot, oh. I, I bet they come in, you know, at respectable hours having not just had a nap before and do their podcast. Must be nice. Oh, must be Fucking nice. It must be nice to work for IGN. Actually, no, I've heard it's fucking shit. I've heard some bad things, but I imagine they do probably go into recordings having, you know, not having just woken up. Oh, so that's yeah. something they've got on oh, us. Oh, look at me. I'm Max Schofield. I'm handsome. <laughs> oh, I've got lots of hair. I'm Max Schofield. Must be fucking nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Max Goville and I'm conscious. Oh, are you? Privilege. <laughs> is this is this the new standard by which we me- measure privilege? It's like, oh, you've had you've had some sleep. You're well rested. Ooh, la di da. Yeah. Get in line. Yeah. And eventually that leads to me doing what I always do and blaming the handsome and successful Max Goville from IGN. How fucking dare he must be nice. Okay. How very indeed. (laughs) How nice for him it must be. And all of you listening with your faces and your heads. I had three hours sleep after podcasting because I was up up late doing podcasts and then I went swimming in the morning. Up to like 4am and then having to swim on top of that, right? Yeah. Must be fucking nice for people to not be up till 4am and not swim after that. I know, but the the things we do for for content. The things we do. It must be nice to not have the pressure to do it. Nice. That's what it must be. Fucking. Comrade, how awake are you? Sorry, what? I was just taking a nap. (laughs) Oh, God. It must must be be fucking nice, Conrad. It must be fucking nice. (laughs) Oh, I'm Conrad. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's a low expectation for him to say something. <laughs> Bless you, Conrad. Oh, welcome to Pogquisition video games. Some of them are good, some of them are great, some of them are perfect. We tell you about them sometimes. Wait a minute, what are these good games you mentioned? They sound vile. Oh, it's a new development they're working oh. on. You know, they're, they're, They've been making... They, they don't have time to make great or perfect games anymore, so they're going to oh. start making some ones that are just good sometimes. Just good. Yeah, right. I only play perfect games like the Superb Smash Brothers. See, I've been fine up until now because gr- I can manage great or perfect, which means that every video game was okay. But now they're going to have just good ones. Oh. I don't know how I'm going to cope. Oh, God. That's going to be what? Like, oh, seven to eight out of ten Ugh. on on reviews. You might even get a 6.9. Whoa. <gasps> Oh god, I can't imagine a game that's a bit like I don't even want to play one that's under nine Oh god, there are so many games that get nines and tens And none of them deserve I tell you the games that deserve a ten out of ten, right? What games deserve a ten out of ten? Gitaru Man, right? Yeah Sure Bloodborne Okay Yeah The Sexy Brutal Yeah Right? Mm-hmm Deadly Premonition asterisk 
these days I'm loath to give it because of the transphobia of its creator that he just doubled down on. That's it. In fact, get a room, man. I'll just stay there. I'll say this, I've, I've, um, I might have played a game this week that I think might be in that better than a 9 out of 10 range. Feels impossible. I mean, I've, I've had a bloody good time with one, and I, 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 Wait, I finished you, it and I don't have complaints about it. You had a good time with a video game? I had a good time with a video oh, game, and I finished it. Oh, must be fucking nice, Laura. Oh, it must be fucking nice. <laughs> what is the game? I finished Psychonauts 2 this week. <gasps> oh, you and Conrad love that game. Yeah, I was really digging it last week. I'd only played like a few dungeons uh, deep into it, and now I've finished it. It's a bloody good game now. I never got into Psychonauts. I tried. I I played the first one, and then I thought to myself, for the people that enjoy this, it must be fucking nice. <laughs> so I'm not. I couldn't get excited or play Psychonauts two because I could never get into the first. And I I don't think you need to have played it. I agree. I re- in fact, I was just saying this to Linda last night. Um, in fact, I think I think it would harm your enjoyment and and prevent you possibly from moving on to Psychonauts two, having that albatross around your neck of feeling like you need to play through Psychonauts one, which. I love and adore and have played very recently nearly to completion, but it is antiquated in some ways that this is just such a vast improvement on. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, people always say you don't have to play the first. When it comes to games and, well, any media, I have to do the first because it'll bother me. It'll play on my mind. I'm like, I didn't experience the full adventure of Chip and Bellows and Peppy. I don't know what the Psychonauts characters' names are. <laughs> what I think Psychonauts does very effectively is actually what's great about Psychonauts period is that it is a setting based around its characters entirely and in such an interwoven way. The setting is literally made of the characters in, in many respects. Because you go in their heads, right? Right, because you're going in their heads. And so the advantage of this is that while you have returning characters and there are relationships that exist, they're not important to this story. Yeah. Because this story is about all of these other characters that are now introduced and one that their importance, it transcends it anyway. It doesn't matter. The things that came before aren't, are really not of consequence to this story. Right. You see, when we're talking about trauma films... I agree. <laughs> I'll watch it. I'll watch Toxic Avenger 4. It's not good, but I've watched it. But it it just bothers me. It's a mental hang up. Right. I need I need Chip. I need Chip Bleppy to go into my head from Psychonauts. It surprises me to be saying that about a game like Psychonauts for that matter, which has such lore and depth to it. But what I've realized is that, like, while there's a whole lot there, there isn't a whole lot you need. Just like in most video games that have tons and tons of lore, but but they didn't bother to write it all out and, and put it somewhere for you to read because they're like, yeah, fuck it, this isn't necessary. Mm-hmm. They convey everything that's really cool and interesting and give you a sense that, yeah, this is really thought out, but you don't need, to, you don't need this. What you need is right here. I, I don't disagree i don't think you're you know i believe you i'm i just can't operate that way yeah i can appreciate that but yeah comrade how have you played more of this since last week i am i think in the last brain before the last brain yeah the game's pretty clear about sort of how close to the end. Yeah, I've gone through two of three segments, uh, two, what I suspect are two of three segments in the second major segment of the game. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I've really enjoyed all of the designs of all the little worlds you go to. I think they've all been very solid. Mm-hmm. Now that I've unlocked all of the powers, I think that all of the new introduced powers make sense. They have really nice utility. I've really enjoyed what they they do for the game. Yeah, just like the powers prior to this, the new ones serve functions in combat, in puzzle solving, in just 
general applications. The addition of the pins to buff them or give them different effects is pretty interesting. Or just make all of your attacks rainbow colored. That's all I, I I put entirely cosmetic pins on my character. See, I'm I'm entirely the opposite. I had a cosmetic pin. I had the ball change color one on there. Oh, that that free one they give you at the start. Right, I had that on there until I filled up my thing with other more practical things. I, cu- I couldn't take off the rainbow punches. They were too good. And then I I removed. One the, that expanded the range of an ability beyond where it was practical for me to be using it for a puzzle or something. Yeah. And didn't bother. And now I just have two on there. I've never bothered to put it back on. I'm so not thinking not thinking about upgrades. I'm collecting all of the stuff and then winding up with 17 ranks to spend and two abilities I've not bothered to upgrade because yeah. fuck it, the game's too interesting. Yeah, oh goodness. It's been a while since there's been a collectathon type video game that I have gotten this into being like, yeah, I can't I kind of want to get everything though. And and it doesn't feel out of reach either. Yeah. Like it doesn't feel absurd. It all feels very manageable. Um as with the first Psychonauts, they, they well, they've brought back basically all the same means of identifying what you need to find. Uh, there, there was a book of the figments in the original one, and you could go on GameFAQs and it, you know and cross-reference with its position in the book to a, an FAQ that would tell you exactly where you would find that one figment you were missing. So, can't wait for the community to throw that together for me. To get the last couple figments, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm holding back on going through and re-exploring brains until I know. Okay, well I've done them all, but I I'm still going to the length to try and collect absolutely everything I can, and I know I will 100 percent it um, as I did with Psychonauts one. I I'm just yeah. so enamored of this. I had a similar experience where I realized a few worlds in where I was like, I'm not going to be able to 100% this because there's stuff that I'm going to need future powers for. And I was like, I'll get as much as I can. I won't stress about it. And then Mm -hmm. I'll come back and do the lap at the end where I just go hunting. And I've been really enjoying revisiting all the worlds. Yeah, it's fun. It's really fun. It's It's a really good video game. It's brilliantly designed. The people at Double Fine should be so, so proud. The ideas that it grapples with, the types of characters and their personal struggles are interesting and very human. Yeah, I, I think if there's one bit of praise I could give this game narratively over the first is that it treats mental health more seriously, Mm. I think, than the first one did. Um, The first one used mental health as a backdrop and sometimes as a punchline, and it would occasionally dabble in, oh, this is a representation of someone's trauma, but it didn't usually do much with that. And when it did, it stood out. Like, it really stood out. It feels a lot more directly here, like, hey, we're going to talk about mental health. We're going to talk about, like, hey, one bad experience can snowball into other things. We're going to talk about, like root causes of trauma and how they're difficult to unpack. Like, it feels like it treats mental health really respectfully, which would have been so easy to fuck up with a concept like this. Also, damn, does it drive home the concept of consent. Yes, it does. And I love that. Yeah. Like, it just makes absolutely no bones whatsoever about consent. Yeah. It's very, I think, effectively done. I like that right right at the start, basically the first proper thing you do is go like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna show you the consequences of ignoring consent and then be like, you have a really fucking powerful thing on your hands here, be fucking respectful with it. And I think that that sets the tone for that game really nicely. Yep. Yep. It's a good game. Yeah, it's real good. Steph, what have you been playing this week? I've never even heard of video games. No, n- never even a one. No. Sorry, I could... <laughs> My brain really did think that was sufficient. It was like, there you go. The whole podcast is over now. I mean, I believe you've got a couple of video games yeah. you've played that are in the list, if you'd like to talk yeah. about them. You don't have to. I can tell you about another one I've played if you'd prefer. All I did there was tell a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, lies are content sometimes. I played a game called Rustler. What is Rustler? Rustler is medieval Grand Theft Auto 2. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, it's sort of, not quite, but but close to top-down. 3D models and everything, not like, it doesn't look like Grand Theft Auto 2 graphically. But it's that same thing except medieval times. So you're stealing horses. Hmm. And you go from, you know, place to place in this little sort of quasi-top-down open world doing missions. Um, very similarly, you know, steal this thing, bring it here. There's a... I think it's called Pimp My Horse, which is like the spray thing where you, you know, you take the horse in and then the cops are off your trail. It's a really interesting idea and it caught my attention because it, it was inspired by GTA 2, which, you know, so many games copy Grand Theft Auto, but they don't, they copy the post GTA 3 ones. Right. A lot of people forget about Grand Theft Auto and Grand Theft Auto 2. So I was very interested. When you're doing a, a, an homage to something, you don't have to be that faithful, mate. Mm. You can have checkpoints. Oh. Mm. If you want, right? If you're doing yeah. a Grand Theft Auto 2 homage, right? You can put in mid-mission checkpoints if you want so that if I go all the way out of town and get a mission and go all the way back to town and then do a mission where I've literally got to stand in a line in a queue and then I get I do the queue, I get out the queue... And then I get on a horse and go back, but I've got to get on a horse with certain stuff on it. And then it's, oh, you alerted the guards, mission over. Okay, now I've got to go all the way back and all the way back and stand in the line again and then all the way back. And that's after I died the first time because I didn't know I couldn't skip ahead in the queue and got killed by five people. So it's twice now I've gone back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, this is nostalgic. This is this is Grand Theft Auto. Not just before GTA 3. It was I think GTA 4 was the first one to put mid-mission checkpoints in. Or even then I think it might have just been you could get a cab if you died from the hospital to where the mission started or some either way the checkpoints were fucking inadequate and maybe I'm spoiled. No I'm not. Checkpoints are good. Put them in your game, you fucks. Don't waste my time. I'm enjoying it when it's not pissing me off. When it is just this, you know, silly medieval Grand Theft Auto experience. You know, horse jacking, not like that, is an interesting take. The humour is, well, you fight the Black Knight from Monty Python's Holy Grail to give you an idea of where the humour's at. Faithful. Yeah. There are too many guards, that's one thing. It's really annoying. It's not like you could carjack with it, not like that, with impunity in the Grand Theft Auto games. But I'm terrified to do any crime, which I shouldn't be in a crime game. You really shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't be constantly checking for cops. It's cute that the horses, that the cop horses have little lights on their heads that go red and blue. That's fun. But there's just so many of them around. It's like every other horse and you get caught so easily and you've got to find wanted posters to reduce your notoriety or, or find the horse thing. And it's few and far between. So you can end up really going out of your way on a mission and that. If they reduced the, the guards, the cops, that would that would solve a fair few of my frustrations with it. But yeah, fewer cops, more checkpoints. Otherwise, it's a really, it's got something. That's what I'll say about it. It's got something. It's just not quite there. I, I will probably play more of it. Well, I fucking bought it, so I should. But yeah, it's, it's, it's too faithful. That sometimes an homage or even, you know, like an official redo, like that medieval, like when they remastered medieval, it was like a one-to-one -one experience with the gameplay. And that's a third-person action game on the PlayStation 1. Borderline unplayable as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah. Interesting. Got some mild RPG stuff. It's got skill points that you get, but no, like, real leveling system. It looks like it could be mistaken for, like, a, you know, a dungeon-crawling RPG. But it, it is very much that you know, action crime game vibe from way back in the day. Definitely got something, but it's not everything. Hmm. Mm. I always liked those early Grand Theft Auto games a lot. Mm -hmm. um, even after it went 3D, I still would go back and play GTA 1 and 2 a lot. It was a, They were well-made games. 
but of a time. And, and I, I can't imagine going back now to them this with this much time passed. Yeah. They're, they've been on my um, my little handheld full of illegally downloaded ROMs, and it's tough. Yeah. It's tough to go back to them. Obviously, the controls are a lot better in Rustler, mm-hmm. and they have made that concession. But there is just something about the structure, and the I won't even call it unforgiving. It's not unforgiving to have shitty checkpoints. It's just shitty checkpointing. When you're making someone, you know, ride back and forth between long locations and making them sit through the same mission briefing. In missions where you could fail without knowing what you've done wrong or that what you're about to do is is wrong or that there's some guard off screen that's going to fuck you over. That's not unforgiving. That's just being a dick. In early games, the concept of the checkpoint was just completely... Someone had that idea, and it was after games had been out for a while. Someone had to sit there and be the first person to think, maybe our customers don't want to waste their fucking time. Yeah, but then they'll get through the game faster, and it'll seem like a shorter game. Well, yeah, Uh... there was that period of time where they were maliciously designed to be quote-unquote unforgiving. They were just being dicks. Stop being dicks, video games. Stop being dicks. Stop being dicks. I'm not renting Rustler. Put some checkpoints in. (laughs) I haven't gone down Blockbuster fucking video and gotten a copy of Rustler for the NES. Stop it. Stop battletoading me. So anyway, that's Rustler. Definitely, uh, I really want to like it more than I am. I don't hate it, but mm, it's capable of, of me liking it more. Who else has got a game what they played and looked at and in, in maybe enjoyed or hated? I've been playing some No More Heroes 3 this week. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Jonathan Holmes, my lover, um, really likes that. He's a big fan of yeah. the series. What do you reckon on it? I'm a big fan of the series as well. Um, the first game I've always said is probably my favorite ever bad game like it is technically rough around the edges it is has a lot of shortcomings but i love it regardless it does a lot to make itself endearing and to sort of overcome that yeah because it was one of the first games i experienced it and i'm such a sucker for it even now the speaker on the wii remote i liked Mm, that you got phone calls before bosses on it and ever since then i've been because the you know, some PS4, PS5 games do that. Well, yeah, the DualShock has a speaker and that. And I'm always a sucker for it. I'm like, ah, noise is coming out. Noise is coming out of my controller. Ah. So, yeah, I liked that bit of it. Yeah, so No More Heroes 3 reminds me most of the first No More Heroes. Oh, and that is a... Po- no, 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 that is a positive thing. Oh, yay. So, No More Heroes 2... Did a lot to refine that series, but what it lacked is that the the villains in the second one were never as good as the first, which is a real problem when most of your game's formula is go do a bunch of cool boss fights with memorable villains. Yeah. If the memorable villains aren't as great, yeah, so-so. No More Heroes 3, very rough around the edges in some technical aspects. The resolution is pretty rough in places, but it keeps a solid, reliable frame rate, which uh, that's a trade-off I'm willing to take. But it makes up for that by being the most fun to control that that series has ever been. It is really satisfying to do combat. Combat hasn't changed much since the first game. It's had a few little little tweaks and improvements. It's basically light light attack, heavy attack, throw, and you've now got specials on cooldowns. But the way you're able to flow between different enemies mid-combo is very satisfying. Honestly, I'm just really... I'm really enjoying the presentation. If you've ever played a Suda51 game before, it's very, very, very clear when he's put he's put references into something out of a genuine love for the source material and not because he's trying to wedge things in. And this manages that very well. It genre hops quite considerably without ever feeling like it's just wedging something in for no reason. Um, Sorry, I'm struggling to do words today. You know what? 
For people who can do words today, it must be fucking it must nice. Be, it must be fucking f- nice. Must be fucking oh. nice. A couple of nice early examples I will give of things that this game does to just be very stylish and very endearing. When it's introducing all of the big boss fights you're going to have to do throughout this game, they're all represented as um, little action figures in blister packs with um, back-of-the-box quotes as to like, ah, here's what this villain's about, and... Every time you beat a boss fight, you get closing credits that are like the closing of an anime. This game is stylish, it is fun. They finally found a villain for this series that feels like a good match for the sort of cocky over-the-top persona of Travis. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Nice. Yeah. That's that's good to hear. I fell off of the series after No More Heroes 2. I, I don't even know if I finished it. And I, I did try the terrible playstation 4 port that they did uh, yes uh, did either of you i can't remember well you wouldn't have gotten read but laura did you play that really bad no more heroes game from 2019 travis strikes again i'm just mm. looking at the steam page for it right now and i i remember hearing how terrible it was yeah let's talk about travis strikes again or travis strikes back or whatever it's called the biggest problem with that is that it had a really good concept which was hey jump between a bunch of different game worlds of different game genres the problem was that every single one of them was a bland isometric hack and slash um, it's like, oh, you're in a detective uh, visual novel now. It still plays like a bland isometric <laughs> hack and slash. You're in a top-down 2D, uh, a top-down Ridge Racer clone now. It still plays like a isometric hack and slash. I mean, it completely misses the point of how No More Heroes as a series did that by actually mashing genre of gameplay yes or mechanics and yeah and th- to be clear this that is something that this gets completely this gets that very right where Travis strikes again and got it wrong when this presents you with hey we're going to show you something in the style of a 2D uh, arcade beat em up it will be a playable side scrolling 2D beat em up when it hops between genres, it will make the effort to make it feel authentic mm-hmm. to what it's trying to do. Genre hopping can be good. I remember the the sudden text adventure in um, Nier. Mm-hmm. I like that kind of stuff. Or the, the beat-em-up that suddenly appeared in, uh, what was it, Saints Row 4? I think it was. Yes, I believe so. Yeah, I like that stuff. Yeah, for anyone who, like me, enjoys No More Heroes 1 and 2 and did not get on with Travis Strikes Back, give this a go. This is this is No More Heroes doing what, it's do- what it does best. It's janky around the edges, but I very quickly did not care. Cool. I mean, that's, that's what you want. Like, a game doesn't have to be perfect. Uh, and, well, I mean, unless it's on this podcast. But a game doesn't have to be perfect if, if it's fun. There is a lot I can forgive. I enjoyed The Sinking City, for God's sake. There's a lot I can forgive if the game has something. And I I never really got on with No More Heroes at all, but I could recognise it had something. Yeah. If you didn't get on with it before, this isn't going to win you over. But if you've enjoyed it before... I'm tempted to try it again, but the port's terrible, like... Didn't go and read just say it's terrible. Yeah. I'd have to get a Wii again. There's a Switch port that, that came out oh, uh, a couple yeah. of months back. That Switch port plays really nicely. It's 60 frames a second. You can do it with or without motion. It's a really nice port of that game. I don't think it's a horrible game. I just don't think it's as good as No More Heroes and I lost interest. Mm. So yeah, better than the last time they tried to do a No More Heroes. Do you remember Legion of the Damned? Or was it just called Damned? Shadows of the Damned? Shadows of the Damned. I think I got a copy of it around here somewhere. That's something I want to re-release of. That one I loved. I go back and forth on... on... It's Grasshopper, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I like some of their games, and the games I like of theirs I really fucking like. Chiefly Killer 7 and Shadows of the Damned. I got a whole pile of these fucking Grasshopper games that I've, <laughs> I've bought and started and played a couple of hours of and said, eh. Uh, Shadows of the Damned, I played more of, but I, even that one could not get through. Oh, I thought it was great. It was absurd. Oh, that I will acknowledge, yeah. Killer is Dead is the one I didn't like. That felt to me like like Grasshopper were getting high off their own bullshit. Yeah, that one was not fun. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Have either of you played anything else this week? Nope. 
<laughs> I like that. I, I, I played, uh, oh dear God, the orders won't stop. That's what I played. <laughs> oh, oh God. Oh, folks, the orders won't stop. The orders won't stop. Please don't let them stop. That that should yeah, not oh, dissuade God. you from yeah. from making orders. Yeah, we desperately need the money. <laughs> <laughs> that fundraiser for MV that someone held must be fucking nice. Must be fucking it must nice. Must be fucking nice. <sighs> it must be nice to not be too proud to say you need money. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, uh, can I borrow three grand by 3.30, please? <laughs> I wish. I wish you could. Yeah. Oh, don't worry this time. I'm not going to get kneecapped. Uh, I played at least one other thing I can talk about. Oh, right, yeah, we... that's what. That's where we're at. Yeah, unless you've played another thing. Steph, do you want to talk about anything else? I played more Aliens Fireteam Elite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I am at the Sinking City level with it, where I'm just like, this game is fucking shit, but I... I know the way I talk about it will get people to play it, even though I don't recommend people play it. Because people will say, I've got to get in on that janky action. And I got in on that janky action, and I'm, I've been enjoying it. But it's so bad still, and it wastes my time in ways I, I shouldn't be tolerating. I shouldn't be getting, like, you know, 15 minutes deep into a level, and then just get booted out and lose all progress and lose the one-time use card that I might have applied to the level. You play these cards that alter it a bit, usually just something simple like, oh, you take twice as much damage and you get some extra experience. But you can only use them the once and you don't get them back if the connection fucks or if, you know, a door won't open when it's meant to. There have been people who said they've been playing on PC and they've not had any problems whatsoever. So I'm, I'm on PS5. I don't know if that makes a difference, but all I know is what I'm playing is... It's a fucking mess. You say some people have, have played it on PC and not had any problems. Must be fucking nice. Must be fucking nice. Must oh, be fucking must nice. Be. Must be fucking nice. Oh. That's about it for me. I played loads of Aliens and I'm somehow enjoying it, which is fucking nice. Yeah. For me. I started playing a, another game that came out today. I've not had a chance to play more than a couple of hours of it, but I've been playing a game called Lake. Mm. Mm. So this is an indie game. It's on PC and Xbox at the moment. The general idea is that it's set in, I think, the mid-80s, and you play as this woman who, you know, she's she's got a big fancy job working in, uh, you know, programming in the big city, and life's not going exactly how she wants, so she goes out to the quiet little community by a big lake out in the woods and just becomes a mail delivery person for a bit, going and delivering the post. And it is just a game about pottering around a little community and dropping off letters to various places, and every now and then someone will be at home as you're delivering the mail and you'll have a nice little conversation with them and pick how that's going to go. It's just a very calming potter around enjoying a story while doing an activity that you can sort of turn your brain off for. There are some hints that this might be also a little bit a story about being queer in the 80s and not being sure how okay that is to talk about in a rural community. Seems to maybe be something that's going on. It's very charming. I don't know whether what's here will keep me playing through. I don't know how long it is. I've not gotten a sense of, will I want to play this for as long as this game will be? But I'm enjoying the calm, calm, nice vibes of just pottering around delivering people's post. It, it satisfies that bit of my brain that likes to collect things and drop things off and organise things. Sometimes that's good. Yeah. You just want to just potter about a bit, having a chill time. It's been pleasant, and I'm curious to see more of it. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, should we talk about some newsy bits? Oh, why not? We got a we got a few of those this week. So there's been a story that got that was originally posted on Vice that's been going around a bit this week about Unity's GovTech division. Are you either of you aware of this story? Oh yeah. I mean a I bit. I can't say I'm surprised. I, I think I'd heard a mention of it. but yeah, every Large technology yeah. company of any sort has a government contracts division. Yeah, so this is um, specifically for anyone who's unaware. 
Unity has an in, has a division within their company that specifically makes technology for the US military. Hypocritical, by the way. Mm. Not the military thing. Unity having divisions. Fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, so part of the problem here, like, go read Vice's story, it's a really interesting story, but one of the things that got flagged up in it is that there's a lot of people working at Unity who were not made aware that the tech they were developing was being made available for military use. Yeah. I mean, this is pretty common practice um, for these companies. We saw this happen a few years back with uh, a lot of Google engineers being pretty Mm -hmm. outraged uh, uh, to discover the military applications that their technology was being sold for. Yeah. People don't make games expecting to indirectly kill people. Or make technology to facilitate the development of games. Usually it goes the other way around. You know, if you have indirectly killed people, get a high-ranking executive position at Activision. Mm. Yeah. So there's a couple of specific things that some staff were upset about realising they'd been working on. One of the big ones that gets mentioned in this Vice piece is people at Unity working on AI tech being like, oh, this will be for video game character AI. Mm. No, that's AI for military uh, training simulators that's going to help them to detect certain kinds of people to shoot, for example. Didn't EA have a similar issue with AI, where... the devs didn't know that what they were actually working on was upgrades for the CEO of the company. (laughs) Andrew Wilson needed a new chip. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, so this this story went around a little bit this week. I'm on fire today, by the way. Yeah, you really are. For someone who's completely fucking shattered in the brain with tiredness, I'm doing all right. Well done, you having zingers, and I'm just talking around in circles today. Oh, do you remember chicken zingers? Do they still do those in the UK? I mean, they probably do. Let me have a look. Oh, God. I'd love a chicken zinger. (laughs) Yep, they still do a chicken zinger. Fuck yeah, they don't do chicken zingers at KFC here. They're losers. Oh. Oh, I'm moving back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Moving back for a zinger. <laughs> oh, man, they used to have chicken zingers here. Oh. Once upon a time, we had chicken zingers. Must have been fucking nice for the Americans. It was fucking nice, actually. It was. It, was, it always is fucking oh. nice. They don't watch chicken zinger, right? Yeah. Fucking nice. So, like so, since, <laughs> so since this Unity story broke, yeah. a meeting has been organized between Unity CEO John Riccitello and a bunch of staff at the company... A lot of people weren't happy when they read this story and realised they'd been working on military tech without being told. And John Riccitello goes, hey, we'll have a big meeting. He does say in the announcement of that meeting, the company will continue that relationship. So this isn't like a, let me hear your concerns and maybe we won't do this going forward. It's, oh no, let me hear your concerns. And if you don't like it, you can leave, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. That's not ideal. That's... Well, that's fucked up. Yeah. When you th- when you really think about it, tricking people into working on military applications is it's a bit shitty. It is a bit shitty. I tell you what, right? And God, I tell you what, right? Pillory me in the village square if I'm wrong here. They shouldn't do that. That's a pretty bold statement. Yeah, put me in the stocks and throw rotten veg at me. That's, that's, uh, you're really going out on a limb there. Right. But, uh, I think somebody had to say it. Beat me. Beat me with shoes and broom handles. I'm glad you're brave enough to be the one to do it. Right? It's about fucking time someone said. Well, the thing is, as I say this, <laughs> apparently it was about time someone said. Right? That people working on games shouldn't be tricked into working on military shit. <sighs> Fucking hell, Unity. So, other stories Wait a minute. Wait a (laughs) minute. All of these Unity-based shitty games on Steam, is that a (laughs) PSYOP? Have they been doing PSYOPs? Have we all been roped into this? Have I been part of an experiment like Umbrella building cities underground? Or, or, or maybe, maybe it's a propaganda tool to make America's enemies think that the technology that undergirds our uh, AI programs right. is just such dog shit right. that it couldn't possibly be a threat. Yeah, yeah, mate. Have you seen this? This is three different games with the same zombie model. We might as well just full on invade. <laughs> 
to Mother Russia, by the way. I'm Russian in this. Oh. <laughs> it's the safe enemy. It's video games' safe American enemy. You can blame everything on the Russians. I don't know if you can anymore. Well, no, you can blame most things on America, but not in video games, Conrad. No, I mean in video not games. In video I don't games. know if you can do it in video games as much anymore. I think we might have to be moving on to someone else. They won't, though. <laughs> They won't. Next Call of Duty, I guarantee there'll be some Russians somewhere. I'm sure there will. They might go back to Nazis again. Oh, is it set in the old days, is it? Only historical old days Nazis and not yeah. any any other kind of more contemporary Nazis. I mean, I won't be playing it either way. Even before all the abuse came out, I was no longer going to support a company that routinely steals from the American public. But, you know, ever since the allegations, definitely not. I have to, I've got a lot fewer games to play each holiday season now. Yeah. No Ubisoft, no EA, because fuck them. Makes it a lot easier to try them all, doesn't it? Isn't it great you can enjoy your holidays? Yeah, and I can play games like Rustler. I got more time to play Aliens Fireteam Elite, a shit game, nonetheless. I think made by people... Made by people who are not yet confirmed to be dickheads. That should be on the front of the box of all games for which it's true. Until further notice, you can assume we're okay. Another story we got this week, this time uh, from Video Game Chronicle. EA Exec says toxic environments are inevitable inside large publishers. What are they trying to cover for? Yeah, so I think I said this when I put this in the, the chat the chat we had last week. This sure feels like they know that there is some toxic shit going on within EA mm. and it's going to come to light and they're like... Oh, oh, it's inevitable. It's not, it's not that we've done anything. It's, it's just inevitable. It's worrying to hear a company this big say it's inevitable that there will be a toxic work environment. Yeah. In one way, I get it because, you know, toxic people will show up anywhere. It's what they do. Yeah. There, it, is, it is inevitable that if you do nothing to address... Yes. yes. <laughs> but that's, that's the thing, like... Toxic people, yes, it's inevitable toxic people will end up in any company large enough. The thing is, if you have proper procedures to listen to people who report toxic people and investigate that and deal with the toxic people... Yes. Right. A toxic environment is not inevitable. Exactly. Because look at Ubisoft, look at Activision, a common story is human resources. Because an HR department in any company isn't there for the... Human resources. The very fact it's called human resources is despicable enough and speaks highly of, mm. well, exactly how lowly uh, they view their employees. But human re- resources is there as a buffer between the workers and the company, and, and they're there to protect the latter. Uh, we've seen this with Activision, we've seen this with Ubisoft, and if Electronic Arts is trying to soften the blow somewhere, maybe we'll see it with them. But we can have these companies make sacrificial firings or, or, you know, convince people to resign. That doesn't solve the problem that was there in the first place, which is why was this systemic? Yeah. Yeah. There is a, a, a well, <laughs> there's an interesting quote in here that I really like. Yes. That I really like that I think should give everybody a bit of pause as to how seriously Electronic Arts is actually taking this. It says... Just like on the player toxicity side, you have to have a team that investigates complaints and takes action. Yeah, you do. Hmm. And so, <laughs> so let, how well is that? How well is EA managing that? Mm. Was there any mention of the team that's at EA doing that? Was there any, you need a team to do that? Here's ours. It seems to just be, you got to do that too. Okay. Yeah. Well, a company that's raking in billions of dollars in microtransaction money, uh, I would imagine any of those companies, these top-level international corporations with rich-as-fuck executives who skim so much off the top, surely they've got some money kicking around for a team. Sure, I'd love to meet Electronic Arts's, you know, team, internal team, <laughs> mm-hmm. that deals and with and tackles toxicity in the workplace. Yeah. There. I'd love that. Do you remember EA Spouses? I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just thinking about them a little while ago. Where, you know, spouses of electronic arts workers had to put out a big sort of open call for something to change because everyone was being overworked and mistreated mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. I remember, I rem- and yeah. well, the Take-Two wives did the same thing, I think a couple of years after the EA Spouses. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now that, that I, I think I know because you know I said oh there's a quote here and and I had mine but I know Laura has because that wasn't the one I know what she go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Let let's let's go with we're a community of over ten thousand employees. Are we going to have issues? Are there going to be places where some bad actors or toxic environments exist within the electronic arts and employment culture? Of course. But once you get to that level, that size of population, you almost can't avoid it. Yeah, that's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. <sighs> it's hand waving away. It's it's yeah. It's preemptively getting out and being like, "Oh, when this when this eventually breaks VA, it's not because we did anything wrong. It's just inevitable." So so that. <laughs> So, 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 just to follow on, then, is it possible that two weeks from now we're going to hear that there was somebody who was behaving badly at EA mm-hmm. for some period of time? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. That's a quote from the guy. That is a quote. Uh huh. I'm sure that's going to come up again, just by virtue of the large numbers of people that we employ. Yeah. Uh-huh. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Is it possible in two weeks that we're going to get news about this? I'm sure that's going to come up. I'm sure it's going to come up that there were issues that this team failed to address again. That's the thing. That that, that quote there makes it sound like they know. They know who the person the bad stories are going to come out mm-hmm. about is going to be. It sounds like they're bracing for two weeks from now something to break. Yeah, we'll... We will see. The other thing about this story is that, like, a lot of the quotes in here are just like, hey, we've done X, Y, and Z to make our company good for women. We hire women. Um, We talk about women and hire women, and we're committing to hiring lots of women. A lot of this piece sounds like, oh, hey, you know how Ubisoft and Activision have got those bad stories about how they treat women? We're the good ones now, because no one's saying anything bad about us, and we hire women. Yeah. Look at me, I've seen a woman once. I've been in a room with one. It's very notable that this is so specifically focused only on women as a minority group within the industry. So Mm. that might also be a bit of an indication as to what horrors may be to come there. I will note this came two days after another thing, which will probably be our next story, but I'll briefly mention it here, is this came two days after EA got a lot of goodwill for making some accessibility-related patents um, available for other developers to use. Well, we talked about that last week. Oh, yeah, we did talk about it last week. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that last week. Yeah, the point being, this happened two days after... After those patents were made available, it really feels like they're trying to get a string of we're the good game developer stories happening. Like, I don't think it's an accident these things have happened so close to each other. So yeah, that's that's that story. Yeah. Oh, Conrad, do you want to talk about cyberpunk modders? Oh, oh yeah. Okay. So speaking of burnishing your public image, mm-hmm. I thought that this was interesting. CD Projekt Red has hired some of the uh, modders who have been working to make Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven worth playing for people. Now they're not directly like employing them they are hiring them as a contractor in their own organization which you know cool because then you know they they won't necessarily have to work for cd project red directly this if it fixes the game that's great uh i'm glad that these developers are getting work and i i don't like the story of modding a product really well leads to a position working for that company. That narrative I find not good, not ideal. I really view it as as something that just benefits the company from a public relations perspective more than anything else, that they can be of the people. And for a company that has suffered a tremendous blow to the goodwill it had developed from a very passionate audience, this kind making a big deal out of this kind of action um just says hey you know we're still one of you love us so yeah but good for them good for the people who managed to get some work out of that and yeah it is clear that this is trying to get some goodwill out of a fan base they have kind of burned but I sh- i'm sure they do good work and i'm sure they're very qualified and maybe if you know things were different but yeah. Yeah. So other stories. 
there's updates on that Apple and Epic lawsuit. Oh boy. Yeah, so here's the headline on Eurogamer. Apple settles lawsuit to let developers email users about alternate payment options. And then the subhead, but Epic's Coalition for App Fairness calls it a sham. Ooh. So, Apple has given some wiggle room on its whole stance of you not only can't have any other kind of payment option other than Apple's 30% cut option in your iOS apps, but you also can't tell people that they can go elsewhere, pay cheaper, and have that on their, their iOS device. Apple has now agreed to let iOS developers email their users and mention alternate payment options outside of the App Store, so that means... Netflix could email you and go, hey, we noticed that you use iOS, you know, Netflix. Did you know you could be getting cheaper Netflix if you went to Netflix.com, paid for your subscription there? Until now, Apple did not let developers use any contact information obtained from within an app to contact their users. That being said, that is a whole other thing, is you're going to have to get used to the fact that Apple is just going to give your email address to people whose apps you download and be like, yeah, you can contact them. So yeah, Apple has agreed to change its App Store guidelines and additionally has made $100 million in payments available to developers that say they've lost income as a result of not being able to tell people it's cheaper off of iOS. Is that something? That is something. Uh, it's Yeah, it's not nothing. I'm sure that whatever uh, data collection uh, is involved in terms of passing on email addresses, they'll probably make that opt-out um, available to users, I would yeah. I would expect. I would imagine so. So both Apple and Epic agree that this is a positive step forward. That said, Epic Games' Coalition for App Fairness does not agree this is far enough. I'm shocked. I am shocked that the opposing side wanted more. Yeah, uh, they their, their quote is, Apple's sham settlement offer is nothing more than a desperate attempt to avoid the judgment of the courts, regulators, and legislators worldwide. This offer does nothing to address the structural, foundational problems facing all developers, large and small, undermining innovation and competition in the app ecosystem. Uh, they call it an empty gesture and pointed a bunch of um, bits of legislation that are proposed that, you know, might push that to go further. So, surprise, surprise, Epic would rather just let you not pay through Apple's thing and not have to send you elsewhere, but this is what they're getting. Well, and I think the market at, at large would like that very much too. Yeah. And this is not even close to the same solution. I mean, it's it's you still can't put something in the product, the thing that people are actually going to look at, the thing that isn't going to wind up in a spam filter. Yeah. You are still fundamentally restricted within your program from creating this option and providing this opportunity. It, it doesn't address it at all. And you're putting more users' personal information at risk by simply having that email address transfer information and the availability for them to market off of it. So it's a, a loss for consumers. Yes. It's not going to address the problem for developers, and Apple uh, gets to claim that they've given something up. That's what I'm seeing. Yeah. Well put. Right, what else do we have? We've got a couple of other stories. There's an interesting story that went up on Eurogamer today. A conversation we've had a few times before. A conversation has popped up around Steam's two-hour refund policy. So, we all know about this. You buy a game on Steam, you've got two hours in which you can refund it for absolutely any reason, no questions asked. Um, for most games, this is, a, this is an appropriate amount of time, but... Some indie games are less than two hours long, and there is a game developer called Emika Games that makes short, narrative-focused games. Their most recent game was a game called Summer of 58, um, a psychological thriller that had very positive Steam reviews. But apparently, such a high number of people have been playing through it, giving it a very positive review, and then just refunding it because they finished it in about 90 minutes, that this game developer is probably not going to be able to keep making games by their own account. And, I mean, it's brought back up a conversation that, that continues to exist, which is, what can you do to prevent abuse of that system while still, you know, having a consumer 
friendly refund policy. Yeah, this is this is tremendously challenging, and it's it's just another way in which developers of small short game experiences are really getting screwed by changes in the marketplace. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know. It frustrates me. It makes me sad to know that there is such a high percentage of people who will play a game to conclusion and get a refund on it. Yeah. I understand that, you know, and for some people, maybe they didn't enjoy it. Yeah. I don't enjoy all art that I pay for. Yeah. Uh, in the end, that, that happens. That's unfortunate. Um, and maybe you don't want to support something financially, and I can understand that. But boy, to, to be losing so much money as to, like, cease developing games, small project things. As someone who does small art projects, yeah, it, it's really, really sad. And, you know, on the subscription end... Those short games, they make almost no money if you're playing them on a subscription service like uh, Xbox Game Pass or something like that, because it's all based on how much time you're playing. So, yeah, one interesting solution I've seen posited and I've not thought about it enough to spot if there's any obvious flaws in it, but having the option for game developers to have an achievement within Steam system that is you have completed the game and hit the end credits and if that achievement is unlocked, you you can no longer refund a title. And I'm sure there are ways that could be abused by developers, you know, placing it earlier in the game than they should in order to not let people refund their games, and that would be a whole thing. But it, it's tough. It feels like there needs to be some kind of solution that preserves, you know, two hours for a big AAA game. Yeah, that makes sense as a refund window, but you've got to have something in place to protect people who make small short creative art it just bums me out yeah we have another story here fortnite did a thing this week oh yeah fortnite did a thing that went exactly how you would expect it would go i think this can be summed up by going uh oh oh no yeah so fortnite announced a martin luther king experience organized by time magazine and there were a few things that might not have been thought out about putting a serious uh, educational experience into the game about silly dances and um, big, big party murders. Played by a lot of gamers. Yeah. That's also an issue sometimes. Yeah. Inside the game itself, there was a lot of people just twerking to Martin Luther King speeches, which is a thing. And like, aha, we're going to do the silly meme dance. And... There were also some people who pointed out that some of the loading screen messages that typically appear in Fortnite were... When you place them before a Martin Luther King experience, they are very tasteless and really should have been thought about and not included before that experience. Yeah. Specifically ones with things like references to shooting in the head is a good thing to do. Maybe not the best place to put that loading screen. No. So... You heard about the other remote, right? Which one was this? The whip cracking one. Oh god! That they were. Cool. Yeah, there was a fucking lot of spamming of, of fucking. That. Of course, fuck yeah. So, in theory, I don't hate the idea of Fortnite using the big platform it has to go. Hey, let's make something educational and put it in front of a platform that we know a lot of young people are engaging with, in the hopes that it gets important content in front of young people. But there are a lot of things they really should have thought about, such as maybe disable emotes. Mm. Like, that might have really helped, is just don't have emotes work in that mode. Because there are some emotes that are not appropriate to do. It always fucking surprises... It shouldn't surprise me, but it always surprises me when big companies f do shit like this and don't think it through. There's too much going on. There's too much complexity... And they don't have the people in place that are in a position to think from the proper perspectives on this. I, I mean, I hate to sound like a fucking broken record. Diversify your workforce. Yeah. This will not happen. Yeah. Have someone who will spot this problem and go, oh, mm, that's going to be, that's going to go bad. Couple of last very quick uh, updates to some stories. Last week we talked about Activision Blizzard's um, lawsuit getting updated. 
with allegations particularly including allegations of shredded documents. Activision Blizzard has responded to these updates. Basically, blah blah blah, we've done lots to make the company better, we've changed some staff and we've got diverse hiring and we're, we're, we're gonna be transparent and lots of like nice things to say that don't mean anything until they're in practice. But specifically, they do address the claims that they uh, shredded documents, and I will read their quote here. With regards to claims that we have destroyed information by shredding documents, those claims are not true. We took appropriate steps to preserve information relevant to the DFEH investigation. Okay, so, well, um, hmm. I, mm. uh, that's not the same thing. No, that sure sounds like we did shred some stuff, but we shredded stuff that we don't think's relevant. Yeah. If we dispute the claims that we dis we shredded important documents, we kept everything important. Yeah, I, I... You don't get to decide what's important, Actablis. Like, the government people get to decide what's relevant. Boy, that, that seemed like a better-to-say-nothing kind of situation. It feels like they've made things worse for themselves by saying that. That doesn't pay off well for them. It's not pretty. Yeah. And last thing, we talked last week about that story of some collusion going on in the market of high-quality retro games mm -hmm. and the scams going on there. So there's further reports that um, the people running the company that grades and lists the quality of games may be directly selling those games himself uh, on various platforms like eBay, without disclosing that he is both the person selling the game and the person deciding what level of quality the game should get graded and therefore its price. A thing that he is contractually not allowed to do. One of the games sent to someone recently had a post-it note that made it very clear that like, oh no, the, the person who graded this is the person who sold it. Uh, okay, I mean, if you're going to commit crimes... Yeah. Like, if you're going to... If you're going to commit crimes... How about don't use your personal email address yeah. that has your name in it to do the crimes? Yeah, so apparently someone received a game they bought on eBay and it had email Mark Haspel, who was co-founder of uh, Water, the game trading company, and his email address for more games, which said not only did he sell you that one, he's got more games he'll sell you, breaking the terms of his contract, doing things he's not allowed to do. Why would you do that? Just set up a fake email address to put on the post-it. So yeah, that this is going to continue to blow up for a while, probably. Yeah, I think that's everything we got this week. Mate, everything? I think so. We've hit all the notes. I think we have. All the bars. Okay, then. Yeah. Well, that must be fucking nice. Must be fucking nice. Must be fucking nice. You know what else is fucking nice, Laura? What's fucking nice? You. You're so nice and <gasps> lovely. Me. Yes. Me. No, you. <gasps> no, you. 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 Hey, Conrad. Yeah. You. <laughs> no, no response from Conrad. No sell. Yeah. No. No sell. No. He doesn't... I don't buy he doesn't it. Wanna, he I, doesn't partake. I, I don't buy it. That's fine, that's fine. We know that Comrade doesn't feel the same. It's oh, fine. no, no. I feel I feel the same. I just don't buy it from either of you. you. You're a lovely little boy. You're a good, 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 good soul. No one can see you do karaoke and, and not think, oh, lovely boy. Well, thankfully, the VOD wasn't saved, so nobody can see me do karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Laura. Me. Laura. Yeah. It must be fucking nice to read your books and listen to your podcasts and watch your videos. Where, but where can people experience that fucking niceness? <laughs> you can find that fucking niceness at Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills, TikTok... Uh, Twitch stream Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 10pm UK, 5pm Eastern, 2pm Pacific. Uh, you can find me uploading episodes of Access Ability on YouTube every Friday. I've got books, Uncomfortable Labels, Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, Gender Euphoria. They're all books, they're out now, go find them. Uh, and then there's podcasts, Pixel Squirt, it's about video game porn. Queer and Pleasant Strangers, which is about the stuff I do in the week that isn't video games. And Dice Funk, it's a Dungeons & Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. They're all their own stories. Conrad, you're on some seasons of that. I am. You can also find me uh, at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram. Or that's Conrad Zimmerman on Twitch four days a week, at any rate. 
you could buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com or now at the gymporium.com with all of that lovely Jimquisition merch that you could also buy. You could also buy audiobooks from me at conradreads.com and uh, you can also hear me on other podcasts like Let's Talk About Snacks where I talk about snacks and maybe some other stuff uh, is coming back soon. We'll see. We'll see. Mm. We'll see. Uh, let's see. Oh, and I've got a Patreon that supports everything. Patreon.com slash Fistshark. And you know who also has a Patreon? Who? Why, it's James Stephanie Sterling. Oh, oh. shit. Uh, yeah, that's true. Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. And that, you know, pays for everything and gets people paid. And uh, Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling, where we um, raise some money for MV Young, who's... Polyam Woodstock show that I've been hyping up was shut down. We had pig sniffing around and everything. Thank you for your many donations of 1312 and some of you who donated silly amounts um, just to make sure that, that, you know, the show didn't devastate anyone. Um, I'm really sad about it being shut down. Um, I was really looking forward to, you know, performing there, but yeah, it's shit. But thank you. And also thank you for the ridiculous success of our the gays can do whatever they want shirt yeah before it uh, before we'd even announced the restock they were almost sold out and we are doing our best to get stuff in um as many as people need and i'm really sorry for any inconvenience if you've got there too late but we are doing our best there are pre-orders yeah up on the gymporium.com for the next batch we are yeah there's just it, it there's no way to quantify. So if you do want to get one and you don't want to wait longer than necessary, just go ahead and get the pre-order. We turn them around real quick once we get in. We're going to be putting in that order fairly soon. So, yeah, I would just suggest to go ahead and do it. Uh, otherwise, it could be yeah like this for a while. I, I don't know. And there are other things to buy if you want. Yes. Like... It's just people love that fucking shirt. They really do. It's a good fucking it's shirt. It's a good fucking shirt. Fee made a very good mm -hmm. shirt. Fee, our girlfriend made that. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it's... Fuck. <laughs> fuck the success of... I mean, that was fuck comma the success of that <laughs> right. shirt. Um, and it was a big relief because, yeah, came at the right time. So, yeah, thank you so much. Thegymporium.com where you can get our tat and i think that's it i think that is it it's time to go everyone thank you so much for listening thank you so much for your support thank you so much for reaffirming that the gays can indeed do whatever they want whatever they want and we will what anything whatever Come they on. want it must be fucking nice it is i can That's confirm it is <laughs> oh gay shit we'll see you next time Hi. Hi. Bye. Bye.